Hey everyone. Um, if for those who don't know me, I'm Jaz, the social media person for Maiman. Uh, and today I have Sarah Luna with me. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Luna. Um, I've been doing MUN since 2017 and I was uh, already delegate and then secretary general for the GIM immune conference that happened last year, March, 2021. And today I'm with Jazz to talk about um, LTG number five on gender equality because it's a passion of mine. And, uh, and I was clearly invited by my friends at Miami to talk about this issue, very important one. Um, we're gonna start by just going over quickly on the LTG number five. Uh, so everyone really knows what we're talking about. Um, so the SDG number five is gender equality, and it says that gender equality is not only a fundamental human right, but a necessary foundation for a peaceful, prosperous, and sustainable world. Basically, they have um, goals that they want to reach towards that gender, towards gender equality, and to empower all women and girls. And it's cited on their websites. They already cite. Uh, the women and girls that they helped, and also the ones that still need our help. And their main goal is to end all forms of discrimination against all women and girls everywhere, but it's very broad. But they go from um, the goal 5.1 to the goal 5.6 A, B, and C to adopt and strengthen the policies and legislation for the promotion of gender equality and empowerment for girls and women. And I think we're also going to just link you guys everything so you can just have a look at everything like in, in more depth, basically, if you want to read up on something, if you want to have some statistics about the topic, you guys can always access the links that we're going to link you or send you over. Um, and yeah, um, I think what we're going to focus on today specifically is we're going to have a deeper look on SDG5 within MENs in general and how um, you know, gender inequalities could appear or how they would look like in an MEN setting as well as um, how we could possibly tackle those or discuss those. So for those who don't know, we have a SDG series going on on MIMEN where we try to explain to you guys how different SDGs can be tackled or simple solutions that you can personally do as individuals to um, support this certain SDG. And the one we're talking about today, as Sarah has mentioned, is SDG 5. So we are going to tackle the different ways of how gender equality can or could possibly be achieved in MEN. However, to know how to solve that, we first have to kind of look how gender inequality can exist in the first place in such a setting. Yeah, we're going to go over an exhaustive list because we don't have time to tackle everything that we brainstorm together. But once again, as Jess said, we're going to give you some links that we found that talk about how there's a problem uh, around gender within the MUNs. There's a lot of um, testimonies actually, and it's really interesting to read. So we really strongly encourage you to take a look at that. But for today, we're just going to talk about, um, first of all, the attire, the outfits. Uh, second, we're going to talk about um, committees and uh, the representation of men and women in different committees and third we're going to talk about the behavior of male within the committee 
let's start with the dress code. <laughs> Jazz, what do you have to say about that? Honestly, um, I think the dress code is always a little bit funny to me when it comes to Amiens because if you compare male and female attire, let's just divide that into the two that, those two categories. It's always a bit easier for the guys to get away with things because you really just you have your suit and if you have your suit you're good to go and yes you can you can play it up as much as you want but i think if you're really gonna go over the top you're just gonna have a really complicated tie knot or something but there isn't much that you can there isn't much room for you know playing around when it comes to that kind of attire um when it comes to girls however things are a bit different because you have an abundance of types of clothes that you can wear and I think here is where people really, I don't want to say pay too much attention to what girls are wearing, but genuinely start to treat them in a certain manner or in a certain way based on the attire they choose. I'm just going to give a quick example. Like, I'm not going to go into the details, but a friend of mine, it was her first conference abroad. She was 16. And a comment was left in the gossip box about her attire. And it was a very inappropriate comment. And it came to the point where my friend could not stop thinking about it. And she kept asking me, Jazz, is, is it true? Is this, is this how I look? Is this what people perceive of me now? And truth is, she wasn't wearing anything inappropriate it was just like it was a black outfit and some very you know basic makeup so it's it's very common especially that you know there's this like secretary stereotype mm -hmm. where in in the movies also and in pop culture it's portrayed as the hot secretary that has to be there to please her boss and therefore I mean, when we say business attire, it still goes from to that length, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and it still goes to that business attire, and it's it's very difficult to find the right. You don't want to be too sexy, and you don't want to be too, I don't know, secretive or whatever, because the problem is you, you're always going to be problematic <laughs> for some people. I think the problem also lies in the gossip box. Um, people and men or even other women that allow themselves to give their opinion on how you're dressed. Uh, I also had a friend who apparently people told her she looked like she was going to the beach where she was just wearing a very colorful attire, which um, for me looked very business casual. I think on that matter, it's, it's really hard to find just uh, a proper way to, to dress up. I think mm -hmm. the solution kind of lies, but we'll talk about that more later, but the solution kind of lies in um, how men views women and the freedom that women are entailed to have within MUNs. No, but I think also it's, it's really important to point out like whatever she's wearing, shouldn't have to compromise her experience at a conference. I mean, in the end- Or her, or her intellect. Or anything at that point, it's just like, I think it's important to remember when you go to a conference, like it, it's supposed to be an entire experience, right? Like you're supposed to genuinely enjoy every part of it. And here's the, here's the thing, like the gossip box is a, it's, it's a fundamental part of Emmy and there is no doubt, mm -hmm. but I think there are yeah, but it has, limits it has that always to be, to be respectful. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There are yeah. just limits that need to be drawn. There are certain things that you just cannot say and whether that goes back to the delegates or allowing those comments to you know go public that that's a whole different discussion but i think the attire should never be the topic of discussion to begin with and like 
-hmm. unless you're not offending or insulting anyone mm-hmm. no one should have yeah, and say. i mean it's it's of the secrecy of the chairs right because they're the one deciding at the end of the day if you're dressed properly for an amuens but nothing like the chairs can go directly to that person and tell them mm-hmm. listen this is probably not okay you should try this or that you know mm-hmm. i think there's also the problem of doing it publicly reinforces the stereotype the problem doing it publicly also is going to make that it's, it's going to affect that person's experience in the conference uh, yeah, which is and some, it's again going, and it's going to make discriminations okay you know if the chair can do it why can't the delegate it's like i think yeah. if, whenever if no matter what anyone does if they if you find someone doing something wrong and be it at a conference or not honestly if you see someone doing something they're not supposed to don't do it publicly just for the sake that you're you're enabling everyone else to do it too and you never know other people's intentions like if you genuinely want to look up for that person and take them aside just tell them hey listen this is not okay and but there's no there's no need whatsoever to just do it publicly and if if like again if we're going back to the gossip box and like at that time what's really annoying is at that time gossip boxes were read out by the chairs so the fact that you're willing to read this out in front of everyone saying comments like that you're not you're not helping you're like if delegates can't go to you when they have a problem and if they're individual delegates again again so if they're not going as a delegation who are they supposed to go to if, if you're not one of their safe people who is while we're on the topic of gossip box um something that came to mind which really baffled me yesterday so same conference jordan um they were giving out superlatives within the committee and one of this the superlatives was hottest delegate that on its own fine whatever if you want to have that superlatives that that goes back to you and the delegate was um the delegate i think of the united states she had a boyfriend mm-hmm. in that committee when the chair was reading out like the hottest delegate superlative he was apologizing to her boyfriend for calling her that what i don't understand why are you apologizing to him yeah uh, i mean it i mean oh i could digress so far on that topic it's all a matter of property so how women are viewed uh the property of other men you can see it in marriage for example i mean right now it's a bit different okay fine i i, I can hear that but it used to be like that you know the woman was the property of the father and then it was a, given to the husband and so it was then again the property of the husband and i think uh in our society we're not completely completely like evolved to the point where women are still not viewed as as a, as a as a human individual. independent human being yeah an independent individual with its own agency and so that's the the big issue there is just how but that's that's a that's a systematic problem um i don't think that goes in the realms of even though it's very interesting it doesn't it's not really particularly amuens it's just how how men are raised and how women also are raised and how women are viewed that as as the still the property of men you know mm-hmm. and they they can they can fend for themselves they can speak up for themselves and you always have someone to be behind her or defend her or provide for her so yeah that's this it can get really frustrating i think that's a whole different discussion on its own absolutely absolutely but i i think i think it it can be the good bridge to go to um to our our second topic that is 
just how um how male just raise their voice more than women mm-hmm. and how just um there's a there's a role in education that is played out here and uh and there's a role so as an individual um and, and I've, I've talked a lot to my to my male friends sometimes they just don't notice it but mm-hmm. they will have they the, they will talk a lot you know and they will never let um a woman talking to they were like yeah but it's not because it's a woman blah, blah blah but it actually is because it is because she was raised that way that mm-hmm. she doesn't feel okay or doesn't doesn't want to raise her voice too loud you know and um and i think you can see that uh for example in awards winning uh there's m- much more male that win awards because they're much more male that that allow themselves to raise their voice and to be more assertive I don't know what you, what's your take on that, but it's what I've observed. I actually have a couple of things to say about that. So um, one thing is essentially, so the extensive link list that we're going to attach to <laughs> this, I think it's worth mentioning that almost every blog article on that list, like you're going to mm-hmm. read, find a bunch of blog articles of um, mainly females, not just, but mainly females talking about their experiences with sexism and gender inequalities within conferences. And this is a topic that is always, always brought up. So one tells you that because her voice just generally is rather quiet and soft, people talk over her or just interrupt her or they don't take her words as serious. And I can kind of understand that. I can really understand that because I've seen that with people I know. So if if she's talking, she's just not going to be here because her tone of voice only reaches a certain level and they, they, they can't take that serious or they don't take that serious. I remember when I was a delegate. So one of our chairs, she was, she was one of those people. Like she, she had a very quiet voice and it's just how she talks. Right. And she would always be overlooked by the male delegates who are, you know, much, much younger than her and like supposed to hear her advice. She, she wants to help us, but she can't because she's very small, very petite and very, very light voice. And it's just, you couldn't hear her. And it's just, it's a bit frustrating because it just goes to show that, you know, you're being overlooked. And I remember the funny thing is now the next, the following year when I was a chair, we had this one delegate. She, she was a female, right? And she was like, she was very assertive. She was very strong-willed. She was very um, open when she was talking, like very, you know, she did not joke around. And most delegates didn't like her. Yeah, obviously, if you're too loud, they don't like you. Don't worry. Also, if you're kind of severe, you know, you can have like more or less severe chairs. Some some chairs don't want to have that proximity with their delegates. Mm-hmm. Some do, others don't, and it's fine. It's your chairing style, but um, but obviously, when it's a woman, that's kind of like mm, I want to keep a distance with my delegates to be respected. Mm-hmm. um then she's viewed as the, the bad guy kind of like the bad girl or whatever I think what's interesting is that if a guy had that certain be- like that exact behavior no one would have blinked an eye but because no like he would be seen as the strong man who just wants to be respected and who just is very confident for example but we don't really enjoy confident women you know that the problem is she was a really good de- like out of a chair's perspective, she was a really good delegate. That's, see, that's, that's the interesting part of it to me, because like, 
what makes her different than the other guy that wouldn't stop talking about his delegation or the other guy <laughs> that kept making a resolution on his own to you know prove himself better there's there's i mean there's a lot of behaviors that when when male do them they're accepted or they're highly regarded but when it's women that have the same behavior i mean it's always tolerated very... just much much more mm-hmm. it's the it's the problem of the double standard Lastly, we wanted to tackle also the um, the representation of of male and women in different committees. So mm-hmm. I've since I've been a, a feminist since wow a very very long time. When I integrated MUN, it was obviously for me such um, a game changer to be part of UN Women because I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm going to be able to talk about topics that I enjoy and that I really care about. And then um, I did a lot of UN Women. Um, committees and uh and and funnily enough this year i i'm a i'm a chair at zurich mun and they didn't let me <laughs> they were like no 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 sarah you've done too many you and women now you're doing something else and i agree with them because i i love what i do i love chairing so i need to go somewhere else and experience other committees um but every time i was in a un woman committee uh there was only one or two male delegates and usually there were the less experimented ones um, and were the chairs always so, um female uh the chairs were always female yeah tell us what you think about <laughs> um, men that go in the security council or in crisis and women that go in unicef and un women what do you feel so i think honestly one of my when you were talking about you and women um i remembered a friend of mine and honestly i think this is how you genuinely know if your friends are feminists or not like how they react towards such things because he was telling me how excited he was to go into UN Women because like in our like local MUN at our our university, we usually just have um, Security Council and either, you know, a General Assembly or two. That's it. Those are the committees we usually do. Um, so he was telling me how excited he was that they actually had something like UN Women and how interested he was, you know, to see the topics they're discussing and everything. And I kind of feel like this is, these are the kind of people that we want more of. Because he he like he didn't say it in a way of you know glorifying it. It was more of like genuine excitement and looking forward to learn about this topic. Like I said, in our local MUN when I was a student, yeah. So we mostly had um, a humanitarian committee and like a more let's say aggressive committee for lack of better words. And it was pretty obvious that at least the human humanitarian committee. Um, was for a majority female not always but most of the time and yeah, yeah you had... I'm, I'm not saying that it's 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 just women it's just it's a majority it's women. a majority and you honestly know? again because once again it's on how we were raised on social socialization and we were raised to be to care of others you know and the in this and in social science we call it the ethics of care mm-hmm. and so obviously it's still at the back of our mind and that is why we say that 
female president did better with the COVID crisis. Obviously, I'm not saying that because there's a lot more that goes into that. But one of the arguments was like, yeah, 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 but women are in the care environment and they've been raised like that. And that is why blah, 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 blah. So, okay. and I think, um, and I think also, there, I mean, th this is the first thing. And the second thing is the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I think that women uh, are sometimes uh, are their own evil yes. because they... Yeah, because they, they're like, oh, I'm not good enough to go in that committee. I won't, won't know enough and uh, I don't know enough of, I don't know, math, finance or whatever or economics to go into that committee because this is not what I've been taught to do. Or it's um, uh, Everything that I'm saying is very, very general, but I, I think we can remark some trends. It's just about like trends that, are, that we can see by being in the MUN world for a while. I mean, honestly, I think it's worth mentioning that everything we are talking about right now, it's, it's truly wholeheartedly based on our experiences. You know, it's like, Absolutely. it's our Absolutely. standpoint. Like, this is not a stable mm -hmm. statement. This is basically things we've seen, things we've witnessed, things we, um, our own deductions and analysis of everything that we've uh, been through as MENers. You know, I mean, we've, we've both done MEN for quite a while or have been in the scene for a while. And we've mm -hmm. seen a lot of things from different conferences, different countries, different, you know, everything. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it's worth mentioning that these are just our own personal statements. Like nothing exactly. is, is, is... And uh, we decided to specify on trends that we saw within exactly. MEN. What's interesting, again, what's worth mentioning is that a uh, majority of my MENs were done in a like in Arab slash Middle Eastern culture. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming yeah. yours were not. Uh, no, I only did I mean, Tel Aviv MENs. Mm. Um, but, but they were major, majority wise. They, they were in Europe. And what's interesting is despite the cultural differences, like this is still something that you yeah, find. Yeah, we, we find a common ground. Uh -huh, exactly mm -hmm. and um absolutely. there was something and also it's something that we found in all the um, all the sources that we're going to link absolutely what's funny about those sources is that they're also um like a bunch of them are actually also north american if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. obviously yeah. not all of them but um the ones that we've come across. There was one quick thing that I really wanted to mention when you were talking about like, that's how we were raised to, you mm -hmm. know, be more caring about the surroundings. I think this also borderline falls under nature versus nurture. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I, I think what I meant by that is- um, The stereotype more than anything. I've, I mean, I've done a little bit of sociology within my studies and it's something that Durkheim calls uh, socialization. And so you have two steps. So the first step is um, the first socialization is with your family, right? And so your first encounter with them and how they treat you when you're a kid. And then the second socialization goes within uh, your school, your work, your friends, your lover. And that also builds the second part of you, you know, and, the, and everything you learn through these, these parts of your life, you know through others and uh, through what others tell you. And especially when you're, I think it's, he really talks about until when you're like 18, 20, because then you become an adult and you can take a step back and do your own research. But until then you tend to believe the adults that are around you, you know? And so obviously um, I meant ethics of care, not with, because it's our nature, mm -hmm. not at all. I meant ethics of care because it's what we've been taught to be mm -hmm. or taught to do or taught to behave, you know? Uh, I mean, it's also something that you can see um, in, for example, I'm Italian. 
and Italian families and what I've seen and how I've been raised and uh, well not particularly me but what I can see in my family and when I go to Italy just like when you have like a uh, two kids like a girl and a boy mm -hmm. then the girl will be taught uh, by the oldest or by the mom or dad to like she needs to be the one taking care of the households and she will be the ones doing all the chores and the, the boy will be just sitting around doing nothing basically for the house or within the household and um and yeah i was just giving that example let's talk solutions um, or suggestions yeah i think we need to talk solutions because i think it's always so depressing to see everything that's bad and wrong about stuff and, and then no don't look for solutions. yeah uh, so for solutions first of all jazz had a great idea is to talk to the board yeah so um i was talking to my friends and their own experiences and everything and this is something that was generally agreed on that you really need to start with the board to make them understand that this like even if it might happen subconsciously for whatever reason you need to make it clear that you need to give everyone like an equal opportunity whether you are um whether you're an organizational member, whether you are in USG, whether you are a chair, no matter what you do, you really need to give everyone an equal chance because there is a tendency as well when um, you're picking certain members that you pick them based on what you think they're capable of, not what they are actually capable of, what they tell you, what their own experiences. And I, I'm saying this specifically because um, a common thing that would happen, for example, is that when it came to hard labor, we had a tendency to have guys be the USGs in certain areas, only because it was thought that they'd be a better fit. And I can understand certain aspects of that being said. However, you're not giving the people the choice. You're not giving the girls the choice to say no. You're not giving women the choice to say, no, I'm not capable of doing this. You're choosing for them. And for all you know, they are much more capable than any other guy you could have picked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's. I think it's always important to start with the board and also clarify, make it very obvious, explicitly tell them sexism is a thing with anemia and like make sure that you really pay attention to the little things make sure that you if you see it happening call it out internally as well be it jokes be it some sort of stupid practical joke be it a comment whatever if you think it's not okay make it clear that it's not okay i think the board also acts i mean when we met board we met like sgs um mm. as a as a chair or as a usg just do not be afraid to reach to usg like always reach to the top because they're the ones who are supposed to help you and mm. they're the ones who are supposed to answer your uh concerns and it's the same thing with chairs right chairs always go to your board when you have like oh or to usgs it's more precise but to usgs if you have any concern and, and if you want to talk about that, I think it may be important to, I don't know, just put a gender clause in rules of procedures or, or maybe not rules of procedures, or, but just include this as, a, as, as something that is mandatory, you know, as something that needs to be spoken about because the taboo around how women are treated and gender minorities are treated is the real issue, right? And so obviously 
we talked a lot about education, but we can do nothing about that, right? Mm -hmm. What we can only do is ensure that women and gender minorities that are coming to an MUN are going to have a good time, going to have a good experience. And, um, and so you can do that by having some calls about that, or uh, you can also do that by talking within each other, you know, find like being aware just of the issue. Mm-hmm. Because when you see it, we talked about it with before, but I mean, general speakers, this is here for that, right? It's for countries that don't speak often enough, but you can also have a look on which delegates don't speak enough. What gender are there? Do, is the pattern repeating itself again and again, you know? How you can do, how you can act as a chair to change that pattern. Um, I think it's not something to be focused on. I think it's just something to have in mind. And the solution, the, the third one, um, obviously comes from, from delegates themselves. Uh, once again, it's about this awareness, right? So look around you. Uh, who's talking? Who's not? Who's raising their hand, their placards? Who is feeling comfortable enough to raise their placard? Who are you talking over? Is there a voice that you're silencing um, by raising your point? Um, I think when you being self-aware res- yeah, is being a really important is super point. important. Yeah, in your resolution, who are you working with? Just keep that in mind. That's it. I think it's just something to be self-aware. Um, I think what's really, like, going back to the chairs, I think it's also important to notice that when it comes to unmoderated caucuses, caucai, caucuses, yeah. um, exactly. this is a really important point in my opinion or a very important time in the conference for me because I feel that this is where delegates genuinely start to form their blocks this is where they start to you know really get down and dirty you know they this is when most of the action Check that happens. no one is left on the side not just that no one is left on the side but that genuinely like everyone is heard like if even if they are in a block was this idea genuinely theirs or you know did they actually have the, the courage to speak it out? Were they listened? Were they taken seriously? Were they just told, um, you know, just sit aside, you know, really focus on how within the certain groups or blocks they're treated and how they're behaving. And mm-hmm. again, this goes obviously for both. This is not just girls or guys. This is gen- genuinely everyone. One last thing I would say also for the delegates is if you see someone making someone else uncomfortable, go like do something about it if you find someone looking at you uncomfortably if you find someone Mm -hmm. creeping on someone if you hear an inappropriate comment just go to that person and make sure that they don't feel uncomfortable because maybe um maybe tend not to get over defensive about it Mm -hmm. and just don't just scream at the other person but just check in with the person that Are is you concerned okay? if they're okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also really important to point out if you at any point feel uncomfortable, don't hesitate to reach out to the people you know. Don't hesitate to reach out to your friends because- To your chairs. To your yeah. chairs, to, to anyone, because they will help. Like this is, they will genuinely be there for you. And yeah, um, I think- I think we, wrap, we wrapped up pretty good. <laughs> I think so too. Again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully.